Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, buds? And in along the wall, a puck to the left point, kept in by Orbit, down in front, a shot, and they score! And it's Devontae Smith-Pelly on a save at a left point! DSP save of the day! We're tied at three with 10.08 to go! How about Devontae? The Caps with life here in game five! Japers Rink Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm very happy to be joined by John Press. Uh, I wish it was for a more happy occasion, but John, thanks for taking the time to join me today. My pleasure. So I know you were just on with Greg. You were talking about the series, how you were hoping it was going to go, and uh, and just like that, it's over. Uh, Capitals be losing four games to one to the Boston Bruins. Um, you know, Kind of the the big thing that sticks out to me and to a lot of other people is how the Capitals were two third period leads uh, away from being up in the series three games to none, and, and now they're just done just like that, and, and they're bounced again in the in the first round. Um, have yet to win a playoff series since they won the Cup in '18, um, and I just want to get first and foremost your general thoughts on the series. Yeah, I mean it, it's disappointing, right? But um, I can't say it's unexpected. In fact. Uh, I actually picked Bruins in five uh, in our predictions on the uh, on the site. Uh, you can go back and check. I got receipts on that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, this was going to be a tough matchup for the Capitals, whether they were healthy or whether they were banged up. And they were certainly banged up. Uh, you know, we, we saw on breakup day uh, the list of injuries from Ovechkin's knee and back to Oshie's, you know, abdominal type injury. Uh Eller's groin, Carlson's knee, Backstrom's hip, Kuznetsov's, you know, inability to catch his breath coming off his second bout with COVID and everything like that. So, you know, this was a team that had a lot of key uh, injuries. They're they're not an excuse, but they're definitely explanatory. You know, I'm not I'm not a big fan of injuries or no excuse. We could have done this, that and the other thing, you know, in injuries are an excuse and they are. 
uh, an, an explanation for sort of how things went. And, you know, you, you, to me, you can say John Carlson sucked in that series, which is a true statement of fact. But, you know, John Carlson was playing on a knee that probably is going to require surgery uh, and gutted it out and was actually uh, pretty good in the last couple games of the series. Uh, add some context that, you know, I don't you can call it an excuse. You can call it uh, explanatory. You can call it whatever you want, but it's context and it's important. Um but, you know, this team could have been at 100% and they would have had trouble. This Boston team is good. And uh, ever since they got Taylor Hall, they've been a, a different team. And they have been uh, a two-line team that, you know, can, can grind you down. Their defense is good. They have a good goaltender. They're well coached. And uh, it was always going to be a tough matchup for the Caps. Uh, it was disappointing the way it went, because like you said, the Caps uh, in games two and three, uh, they were up uh, after the midpoint of the game and were more than 70% likely to win each of those games. So uh, as much as the Caps might have been outplayed, they uh, could have also been up 3 nothing in the series. And it didn't really turn uh, ugly until overtime of, uh, I guess game three when, uh, the, the, is that the double overtime game? I think it was, uh, yeah. the double overtime game, uh, you know, where, uh, it, it kind of turned, uh, and from there on out, it was all Boston in the series. Uh, I guess game five, the caps put up a fight, but they were already down and, uh, little too little, little too late. So yeah, it was disappointing, not, uh, entirely unexpected. I, I think the Caps would have had a better showing against uh, the Islanders for sure, and probably the Penguins as well, even even as banged up as they were. But you know, you play who you play. Uh, there no uh, no one wants to hear uh, excuses, so uh, I guess uh, we'll we'll just move on with it being disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm certainly disappointed, and it's uh, you and I have talked before. It felt like it. Uh... It hit harder this year than I think I expected it to. Um, I, I, I think the, the Stanley Cup hangover high is, is slowly diminishing uh, for me. Um, but, it, you know, it will never go away. I'm still super happy about it. But, you know, it's starting to get annoying that they're getting bounced in the first round. Um, but before yeah, we... Yeah, I mean, the, the, the honeymoon is pretty much over. Uh, <laughs> it, and it, it was disappointing because just a few weeks before the... Uh, playoffs, the Caps looked really good. They were playing really well. They looked like they had their shit together defensively. They looked like they were having, uh, getting scoring contributions up and down the lineup. Uh, that that contributions up and down the lineup did not happen in this series. You know, they had basically Hathaway and Dowd, and at, then that was it at five on five the entire series. What I mean, Tom Wilson had a goal, Brendan Dillon had a goal, but they got zero five on five goals from Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshie, Mantha, Eller, Sherry. Uh, I guess maybe Sherry had one uh, in the third period of the final game or whatever. But uh, point being, uh, they 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 had looked good and. Uh, then they didn't. Yeah. I mean, you just brought up a great point, a great segue into my next question, which is going to be, you know, John, uh, I want you to rank 
from least responsible or most responsible for the loss, the, the following four categories. And if you want to split one of these into maybe top six, bottom six, uh, that, that's fine with me. Um, and those categories are forwards, defensemen, goaltending, and coaching. You kinda, where, how does the responsibility fall for you? Wow. Um, so, you know, if you're not allowing me health as and, and, and you know, just good fortune uh, as an option, uh, this wasn't about the goaltending. Um, so uh, I'm going to put goaltending at the bottom of the responsibility list because um, while uh, obviously game three ended with a just brutal goaltending gaffe uh, on the Samsonov-Schultz miscommunication, which I put mostly on Samsonov, by the way. And you know, not not to go off on a tangent about Samsonov, but you got to wonder if the guy's been there for three weeks, four weeks, um, if, if that communication might not be a little bit better. Um, so it is what it is. But Samsonov for the most part, uh, really was better than I thought he was going to be, um, better than he was during the regular season. Craig Anderson gave him every chance to win the games that he played in, uh, and he won, they won one of them. So uh, goaltending is at the bottom of my responsibility list. Uh, then moving on up, um, you know, I, I, I thought the – the defense was reasonably good uh, in the series. I, I didn't think uh, there there were too many just absolutely brutal um, defensive gaffes. Uh, you know, you might look at Brendan Dillon throwing the puck up the boards to nobody at yeah. the in, in overtime of uh, Game Two, but you know, a closer look at that play and. Carl Haglund just fucks off for a line change uh, out of nowhere. And that's the guy who's supposed to be there supporting uh, the defenseman in his own zone. I mean, Dylan turns and, and fires it up because he expects a, a, the left wing to be there, and he wasn't. So uh, it looks bad on Dylan. Um, and so, uh, but but I, I thought that he was reasonably good during the series. Uh, Carlson was hobbled uh, and bad for the the most part in the series. Um, Orlov was a little bit up and down. Justin Schultz didn't necessarily impress me, and I thought the third pair uh, in aggregate over the course of the series was pretty good. So uh, f- for that, I- I'm going to give the... I guess I'm going to give the defense the second lowest spot on that, um, uh, on that uh, hierarchy of blame. And uh, move on to the, uh, okay, so forwards or a coach. Uh, you know, I think that uh, that Peter Laviolette got out coached, And uh, it's disappointing because I didn't see that coming. Uh, I, I honestly thought he was going to be uh, the one advantage the Caps had there. Uh, or one of the advantages the Caps had on the uh, in the matchup was in coaching, um, and we've talked a lot in the past about how uh, coaching in the playoffs is different. Like you know, we've talked about how the hockey in the playoffs 
okay, this is rougher. They let more shit go and blah, blah, blah. You know, you got to man up and all this other crap uh, in the playoffs. But one area that's not just narrative bullshit is, is coaching. And, you know, like we've talked about a ton before, um, you know, it, it is a matter of uh, regular season. You don't basically game plan specific opponents. You just kind of work on your stuff and, and go out there so you can win a lot of games on talent alone uh, and having a talent advantage. And talent advantage is something the Caps have had for, you know, the better part of 15 years now uh, over most teams. So they've won a, a lot of regular season games. Playoffs are a different story, you know, because coaches uh, have a week, two weeks to focus on one specific opponent and make adjustments to uh, counter what those opponents have uh, adjusted to, to them on. So uh, it, it really is where the coaches uh, make their money and where they, you know, their merit shines through. And it's why Todd Reardon, after two years of winning the division uh, somewhat comfortably, uh, had to go because he just didn't make those adjustments in the playoffs. And it was not clear that he was ever going to learn how to make those adjustments. Uh, so you figure you get a guy like Peter Laviolette in who uh, has coached before and had a lot of success before. And uh, maybe you have a guy who can uh, figure it out. But what we saw is that the, the Bruins were the ones that got better as the series went on, you know, arguably through the first two games, uh, the caps were the better team. Uh, and then they weren't. And, uh, a lot of that you can trace to like their breakouts weren't as good. That to me is, um, Cassidy adjusting to what the Caps were doing on the breakout and the Caps not counter-adjusting. Their special teams went in the shitter. You know, uh, you know. I, I know that Peter Laviolette doesn't coach the power play, but at some point you got to step in and say, yo, Blaine, what the fuck are we doing here? You know, <laughs> it, it, it comes to him. So, uh, you know, I think uh, the power play got solved, for lack of a better term, and the Bruins' power play uh, started racking up the goals against the Caps. So in a lot of those areas, uh, it is, it, to me, it, uh, it looks like coaching, you know, not Peter Laviolette's finest moments. Now, it, again, we, we know that there were a lot of injuries uh, at, that the Caps were dealing with. But, you know, to me, maybe when you know you're dealing with those injuries, you either figure out whether a guy's uh, can play through it or if he's hurting the team and if he's hurting the team, you get him out of there. And, you know, I thought that once it became apparent how much better the Bruins were that they needed to, the Caps should have uh, kind of ground that, that game down and turned it into just good old Dale Hunter hockey where you, you hope you win uh, more coin flips than the other guy uh, because they clearly did not have either the personnel or at that point, the tactics to, um, to defeat Boston, just playing their, you know, quote unquote, their game. So uh, to me, uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but uh, I'm going to, I think I'm, I'm putting that at the top of the list. You know, ultimately 
it comes down to the coaching, right? And, you know, any problems with the forwards, if they weren't getting to the net or they weren't, uh, you know, carrying it or dumping it correctly, ultimately that comes to the, the coach too. And so, uh, I, I've been probably talking for seven minutes now, and I'm going to say <laughs> <laughs> that it, it, to answer your question, I'm going to go uh, coaching most responsible, forward second, D third, and goaltending least responsible for that loss uh, to Boston. Okay, I like the answer. Uh, I, so this is not something you and I had talked about being a question, but I, I actually think it'd be kind of interesting, which is um, – I was thinking back the other day about how when Barry Trotz first took over, um, he said stuff about how the Capitals could play any different style of game that their opponents wanted and just be better than them at it. Um, And that, you know, the Capitals still had an identity, but it wasn't limited to one style of play. And do you feel like this version of the Capitals is still able to do that? Because I'm not sure that I do. I feel like they really can't play um, multiple styles of hockey and be successful. Yeah, uh, you know, I I think there are two sides to that, uh, to what Trotz was saying. And, uh, you know, if if you buy him uh, and what he was selling, then... That, that's a, a team that, you know, they can run up and down the ice with you. They could grind you down. They can play physical. They could play north, south, east, west, whatever. Uh, it, you know, the flip side is maybe this team doesn't excel in any particular area and doesn't really have an established identity. But, you know, still under trots, uh, you could say all he wants. They, they sort of played. Barry Trotz hockey. They played this, uh, you know, have quote unquote heavy hockey. Um, that was, uh, very, very North South and, uh, a, a little less probably focused on, um, creativity and a little more focused on, you know, low to high and, uh, Things like that. Um, so the the current team, you know, I think they're going to play Peter Laviolette hockey, which is um, not totally dissimilar. Um, I think he'd like to see the, his defenseman carry the puck a little bit more. Um, can the Caps get in track meets with anybody and win? Uh, I, I don't know that that's the team anymore, but they did well on the rush this year in, yeah. in creating uh, offense off the rush. And they did pretty well creating offense off the cycle, too. Um, so, you know, I, I think they need to probably figure out uh, how they're going to play games um, and what is going to work for them. Uh, I think you saw... Um, uh, uh, sort of an indication of what they'd like to be with the Jake Vrana trade. Um, that seems seems a, a pretty clear indication that this isn't a team that uh, wants to score a ton on the rush, but rather a team that probably wants to cycle it a bit more and throw big bodies in there and do that kind of thing. And, you know, Godspeed. Let's let's see let's see them do it. They're not a fast team. Uh, they're not a young team. But 
uh, I think sometimes the the you know overall team speed is kind of uh, kind of a, a, a narrative cheat in that um, you know everybody can skate and it, you know playing fast is different from being fast yes. and you can play fast with not the fastest players and you can play slow with Jake Vrana's in your lineup. You know, like when Barry Trotz was here, Vrana would get his occasional uh, break and everything, but, uh, but they were still playing relatively slow. I think Uh, they they weren't like uh, necessarily emphasizing that it it just kind of happens naturally. So, um, you know, I, I think they could still play, faster if they wanted to i just i'm not sure that that's what they want to be doing right now no totally understand um i was thinking about more in line with your comment about being able to make adjustments and if if a team wants to play one style you can adjust to it a little bit and you know they're and you could still be successful with that and i mean i i guess when i think about trotz's comment i think it was probably relative to maybe the 17 team that that team that was just unreal on paper and 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 really deserved a better fate than what they got against Pittsburgh in the second round. But ultimately uh, they did get the win and that's all we really care about. But uh, yeah, it is. And yeah, they, but they, you know, it it, it is a team like when you talk about like, can they play whatever style it that's that, like you said, it's a question of adjustments. And like when you're, when you're playing against Boston, you know, and they have puck moving defensemen. Maybe you realize that a little quicker and you don't forecheck as aggressively and you clog the neutral zone a little bit more. There's no reason the Caps couldn't play both of those styles an aggressive forecheck yeah. and uh, a, a more disciplined drop back neutral zone uh, kind of play, uh, kind of system. So, you know, it, it, yeah, I think the Caps could play whatever they need to play. You know, they, they have enough talented players, they have enough guys who can skate and pass a little bit that, you know, the style, uh, it's just a question of, of recognizing what's going to work and what isn't. And, uh, then implementing it. I don't see any reason why the caps can't do that. Okay. Uh, last question along this vein for you. Um, when you talk about kind of like, you know, Barry Trotz coach team looks like a Barry Trotz team. Do you see a lot of differences when you watch, um, what, Trotz's Islanders do now versus what the Trotz Capitals did um, besides just the very clear gap in talent? Uh, I mean, truth be told, I don't watch them a lot because, um, yeah, I mean, because they're boring <laughs> and because and fuck the Islanders. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I think the thing about Trotz's uh, Islanders is that they're a very disciplined, very structured team. And uh, that's what you, I mean, that's what you got to be, especially when you might not have all the horses. Uh, You know, if you can just commit to your structure and everybody buys in, you can have some success uh, as they seem to be doing against the Penguins. Uh, in this series, uh, no idea how tonight's going to turn out, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if they, if they, ma- if they win and, you know, if they do, uh, that'll be four series wins for Barry Trotz since leaving Washington against five 
Capitals playoff game wins. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's kind of an embarrassing uh, statistic. So uh, I'm not I'm not necessarily rooting for that to happen. Uh, but yeah, I mean it, it seems pretty similar. But the the other thing people seem to forget about Barry Trotz is that uh, he was just a lame duck coach yep. playing out the string here when he won a Stanley cup. That, that is, uh, that is, uh, the reality of the situation. And, uh, you know, the 2018 caps, uh, 2017, 18 caps were not a, a great team. They were no. way worse than the two teams that preceded them. And, uh, they caught fire at the right time and thank God they did. Everything was great. And, uh, but you know, and Barry Trot suddenly was was a genius overnight. So uh, he's he is what he is. I love Barry. Uh, once he leaves the Islanders, I will once again love him with all of my heart. But for now, uh, you know, fuck the Islanders. Yeah, I, I mean, it's after the run. Um, you know, a, a lot of these kind of gaps in the roster that came up after the 2017 season um, were able to kind of, and they passed them up for 18, right? I mean, the Capitals got Kempany at the deadline, um, and, and we know how kind of impactful that was. Um, and there have been other kind of signings like that in the meantime. I believe the quote you used on Twitter was, uh, Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. Um, yeah. and, and I think it's kind of impressive important to kind of understand where you see the capitals going because uh it feels like those holes just you know it's not like those infomercials where they just kind of slap that patch on there and the water stops coming out right i mean and i don't know have you or anybody ever actually used that stuff like in those commercials (laughs) like the the bottom of a guy's boat is a screen door and then he patches it with this like black plastic gunk and suddenly it just keeps all the water out and he's floating uh i i find that hard to believe but uh you know i guess it's got to be true but uh yeah, back to the Capitals. Um, <laughs> I uh, and, and my unabashed uh, Taylor Swift fandom. Uh, the I, I think that's that is what where, where the Caps are. I, I think that in a lot of ways they, um, you know, they they peaked. Uh, you know, they bottomed out when Adam Oates came to town, and then they sort of headed back up the the mountain with Barry Trotz. They won two president's trophies with excellent teams uh, that didn't get it done against Pittsburgh in the second round those years. Uh, Unfortunate playoff structure, whatever. It didn't happen. Um, And that was like their self-proclaimed window was – you know, 2015, 16 and 2016, 17. And, you know, I'm not a big like window guy, but, uh, that's, they, they kind of went all in on that, you know, and that matters. And, uh, they had a worse team in 2017, 18. They had, uh, their, their goalie, uh, had his worst season as a professional, uh, up to that point. Um, got replaced by the backup and the backup starts the playoffs and everything. Uh, so, and and then they, they go on this magical run and, uh, it was, 
uh, for Caps fans, it was obviously the greatest thing that ever happened. And uh, the the one downside to it, I think, is that it sort of gave them this uh, evidence, this renewed feeling that all you got to do is make the playoffs and then anything can happen, which, you know, to an extent is true in the NHL. Uh, all you got to do is make the playoffs and anything can happen. But, um, you know, it, what it did was it, 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 it was false hope that, and they've been chasing that kind of for the past three years, I think, uh, rather than sort of being honest with themselves and looking at the structure of this roster and the age of some of the, core players and what's in the cupboard. And, you know, I'm not necessarily blaming them because I think that there's each of the moves individually that they've made since then has been pretty defensible. And uh, the, the overall uh, feeling that this is a good team that can get hot and uh, go on a run again. I, I don't think that's misplaced. I think, uh, you know, I think this year less so maybe than the, the previous two years, uh, if they win around, they could, you know, cont- potentially win three or four rounds. So, um, you know, it, it, some of it made sense, but it, it leaves you now in a position where you have this uh, aging core that didn't necessarily come through when you needed them. Uh, were they injured? Yes. Uh, do old guys get injured more than young guys? Uh, I can personally tell you yes. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, and now, now they're in a spot. I mean, if this team gets past Boston, Sure, maybe they beat Pittsburgh or the Islanders, uh, which would be great. I mean, they've only gone to the third round like three times in franchise history or whatever it is. So, uh, but you know, this is not an elite contender, uh, even in that scenario. Not a team that you look at that can uh, reasonably be expected to challenge Tampa or Colorado or yeah. Vegas or or Carolina or. Uh, maybe even Toronto, but like that—that uh, that is, they—they were—they were an elite contender for a while, uh, and that probably the last year they were an elite contender was probably 2016-17, uh, and then they won as a non-elite contender, which you know, you never know. Like I said, anything can happen, but uh, you know, we, when you look at those true contenders of the like early to mid 2010s uh like the caps were uh they've kind of all come and gone they had the big wake-up call and missed the playoffs a couple years you know the kings the blackhawks the sharks the rangers the red wings uh even the bruins they all sort of uh bottomed out and uh didn't necessarily do a full-on rebuild some of them more so than others but uh they've sort of reloaded in a way that the caps haven't necessarily, and the caps are still, you know, going out there and tossing out first and second round picks yeah. for, for marginal guys. I think they've gotten away a little bit from, uh, rentals, uh, in the true sense of the word, because I think they, they are kind of cognizant of what, what lies ahead. But, you know, bottom line is 
past three years since winning the cup that have, have seemed like a, a downward trajectory to me because, yeah. you know, you win first year afterwards, you win, win the cup and go seven against Carolina. Then you win the cup or then you the next year you, or you win the division uh, the year after the cup, win the division, lose in seven to Carolina. Uh, next year, win in, win the division, lose in seven to the Islanders. Uh, next year, this past year, don't win the division, losing five to the Bruins. That And the Caps were the home uh, team in each of those series. So yeah. that trajectory, uh, while you don't want to base too, too much on uh, a five to seven game sample that happens at the end of a, a full season or whatever this season was, uh, the trajectory is is troubling, at least. Uh, it, I mean, it definitely is. I, I thought that they, the team was, um, the year directly after the Cup, I thought they were competitive. I thought Carolina was a good team. Um, you know, they, the Capitals played in a, a fantastic uh, first 35 minutes of, of Game 7. Um, obviously, then they give up the the freak shorthanded goal where I still don't know what Braden Holpe was doing. It was like he lifted Jesus himself Christ. off the ice to let the puck go under his leg. And uh, after that, the team fell flat. It was uh, very yep. much pre-cup capitals, kind of with a with a mental shock that they weren't able to recover from. Yep. Um, but that that is, uh, I, I agree with your assessment completely. And I think it's like the one thing that maybe... Um, it is really interesting is it to me and we talked about this a little bit um offline is the the mantha deal which as, as you kind of pointed out wasn't a rental but it did also give up future assets and it you know is Man- mantha's probably only going to be here in washington for as long as ovechkin is right because he'll be too old to be part of any next regime um so i i almost kind of is it was Mantha another patch, or, or is Mantha supposed to be a key piece moving forward? And I just kind of wanted to get your quick take on Mantha and and looking back on that deal um, before we get to my final couple questions. Yeah, I, I think they'd like to see Mantha be a key part of of the future of this team for the you know short term, uh, next two, three, four years or whatever. Um, but I think that his deal was also a lot about. Uh, cost certainty and uh jake rana is going to be a free agent uh is a free agent i guess right now uh restricted free agent he's going to get a deal that uh could very well be bigger than mantha's deal and uh for a caps team that has to sign the big dog and uh still has nick backstrom Evgeny kuznetsov tj oshi john carlson all on the books right now uh, cost certainty is a nice thing to have. Uh, I think I think Mantha played pretty well uh, in, in that series against Boston. He had uh, a couple penalties I really didn't like uh, in one of the games, uh, but he was a bit snake bit, uh, as I guess you know theoretically Vrana was uh, <laughs> for the the previous two seasons yeah. when he didn't score. But uh, I, I think it, the deal was also as much about Jake Vrana as it was uh, about Mantha. And I just did, I, I think that uh, he was not uh, fitting with what Peter Laviolette wanted to do. And 
this this is the kind of thing that happens uh, sometimes. And they gave up a great talent in Vrana. Uh, they got a good talent, I think, in Mantha, and they uh, paid to make it happen. Uh, so it's it, you know it's not uh, Forsberg for Erat. Uh, and I think it's a defensible deal that still could turn out well for the Caps. Let's give it a little time. But, um, you know, cost certainty, given how tight the Caps are and those, you know, five elephants in the room, uh, that that core uh, of guys. You know, you have uh, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Oshi, Carlson. Um, that's gonna, Those guys are going to take up like half of the cap. Yeah. next year if they're all here uh no joke i mean the four guys other than Ovi are at like 30 million dollars uh in salary right now so if Ovi gets 10 million dollars that's half the cap right there in 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 five guys uh who are all over 30 with the exception i think of kuznetsov yeah. um and uh you know oshi and backstrom had good years this year carlson uh, had a, had a decent year this year, but they all were banged up when it mattered most. And, uh, you know, uh, health and father time are, are fickle, fickle things. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough. I mean, they, they will need Mantha to kind of carry the load here in, in the interim. And, uh, I, gosh, I, I think he, he started what with three or four goals in his first four games. And I don't think he yep. got one after that. So, um, and God, the chances were there. I mean, I don't know if anybody on the on the Caps roster had more chances in the first three games than Mantha, and uh, just wasn't able to bury one, unfortunately, including hitting the post in uh, in game yep. three after the Capitals had given up the tying goal. Um, so let's let, let's do a little bit of another fun game here. Um, I mixed up the order a little bit, and we're, we're going to talk about guys that are on the roster mm-hmm. and uh, whether they'll be back next season. Okay. And we're not going to go through the whole roster, but we're going to go through kind of the more interesting players. Um, and we're going to start with the old the old man himself, uh, Zdeno Chara. Will he be back with the Capitals next season? I don't think so. Uh, I think that uh, thank you for your service. You were a, a tremendous uh, human being to have around this club. Uh, just I love, I personally, I love like when the, seeing these legends in caps uniforms, yeah. you know, got to see Zdeno Char in a caps uniform, got to see Sergei Fedorov in a caps uniform, got to see Ilya Kovalchuk in a caps uniform. It didn't, that didn't go so well, but it, I mean, it's cool. I wish we could have seen Henrik Lundqvist in a caps uniform. Like, uh, there, there's something very cool about seeing some of these dudes playing for your team. And, uh, I love that Char got a chance here. I thought, I thought he did uh, well for himself uh, throughout the season and uh, probably better than I thought he was going to be uh, in that third pair. So, uh, But it, it is time to get younger, uh, get faster. And so, I, you know, unless he's willing to take a likely seventh defenseman role, uh, I don't think he's back. Yeah, and I think he had a profound impact on Nick Jensen as well, who I was yeah. really happy with how Jensen played this sure. season. And uh, agree that Char won't be back, but I think he was nothing but a positive for the team, which is not necessarily yep. what I expected at the beginning. Yep. Um, next up, uh, we're going to talk about Raffle. Uh, 
Do you see him coming back? He's another guy who just didn't spend a lot of time on the score sheet. No. Uh, you know, he was okay, but I don't see any need to have a, have a guy like that uh, on, the ro- on the roster. They have guys like that in the organization, guys who you could probably uh, play there for cheaper. He was okay. You know, no no major ups or downs for him. He had that cool goal uh, with like one second left off the Swayman's head or whatever. So that was cool. But, uh, you know, he, he didn't quite reach his 40 goal potential. Uh, and, and so uh, I'm going to say, see you later, Michael Ruffle. All right. This one's a bit, um, the guys that are most likely going to be here, but I'm still curious what your thoughts are on them. Um, is Dylan, has Dylan soured Capitals management, and will they look to get out from under his contract? Uh, no, I think Brendan Dylan's here. Uh, I, I think he's. I, I think he played okay in the right situations. Uh, I think it's clear that he's not a top pairing defenseman. Uh, what was interesting to me is that uh, he was a total fail with John Carlson, and I would have thought like. Okay, you throw this defensive-minded guy out there with John Carlson, and uh, you probably got a pretty good balance there. Uh, it, it didn't work. Uh, it didn't work with Justin Schultz, who's you know maybe a poor man's John Carlson. And then, uh, but what it where it did work was with Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who is a, a, a solid uh, defensive defenseman, and frankly, a guy that I really would have loved to have seen in that series against Boston. Um, uh, and I'm glad the Caps have locked up for, uh, I think, next year, maybe two or whatever. Uh, but uh, Dylan and Van Riemsdyk actually worked. So, uh, you know, I don't know that Trevor Van Riemsdyk is the Brendan Dylan whisperer. But, uh, you know, I, I think I think Dylan makes three and a half million. Uh, I don't think you're going to find uh too many guys who could step into to that role. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be sad if like Seattle took him when he was not exposed, when he was left exposed for the expansion draft, but I think he'll be back. Yeah. I, I think he would definitely be, uh, if he was taking the expansion draft, I think that would be, um, sweet. Just, yeah, <laughs> just fine. <laughs> um, a, a guy that it, it sounded like the capitals are now, um, going to, to be, to protect based upon what Brian clone said, uh, I, I believe today on five twenty six is TJ Oshie. Um, a guy I wasn't sure would be, would be back, but it seems like he's really, um, or I didn't think he'd be back after he signed his most recent contract with the capitals. Um, I thought the kind of plan would be for him to be picked in this expansion draft. And I'm not sure that's any longer the case. What do you think? It's so hard. Uh, I mean, Oshie is, uh, such a tough call because he is uh, he's the heart of this team uh, right now. And uh, a guy that's been there, obviously was there for the cup, uh, went through that incredibly emotional stretch uh, with his father passing away at the end of this season. Um, it, and he had a very good season, like uh, not just the intangible off the ice bullshit, but like the, I mean, TJ Oshie had a good season. Uh, and you know, he's a guy who will play wherever you want him to play. He played center. Uh, he's not a center, but he played center, uh, in this yeah. series because, uh, that's where they needed him to go. And he is, uh, an absolute 
honey badger out there uh, for the puck. Uh, he's aging well, and uh, but you know his and his contracts, you know, five and a half or five point eight or something like that. Uh, it's not not the worst contract on the team. Um, I think if they do expose him, I think that Seattle would be crazy not to be interested in a guy that would instantly be uh, the most popular guy on your team uh, and the face of the franchise and your captain and uh, just a terrific guy to put uh, out in front. Um, But uh, I I think given the year he had and and what he means to this organization, I think they're protecting him now. Um, So, uh, I, I think they'll figure it out, and uh, I think he's back next year. It, it would be very <laughs> difficult. I, I don't know. It, it's <laughs> it's close. I think he's back, but it would be very um, difficult to see him walk out that door. Yeah, it, it definitely would be. I mean, he is uh, just uh, all around seems like a great human being. Uh, it'd be tough to see him go. And as you said, he had a, he had a great season. Um, he, he, injuries are always going to be a big concern though with, with TJ Oshie, yep. um, especially as you already referred to, uh, as injuries become more and more common as he gets older. Um, all right. Last one, before we get to the big guys, I, I don't think he's going anywhere recently signed, but, uh, what are your thoughts on, on Schultz? Is he the kind of guy that you might expect to, uh, get some appetite from uh, Seattle if Oshie's protected. He could. Uh, I don't think he, he started out well for the caps, um, but I don't think that uh, he finished quite as well. And uh, I don't think he ended up where they wanted him to end up uh, necessarily. So, um, you know, if they don't protect him, so I guess we're thinking that they would protect Carlson, Orlov, and I mean, they're not going to protect Nick Jensen, are they? I mean, I, I don't know. You might be trying just to get rid of numbers. I mean, it, they could be very inventive with what they do protection wise. Right. Um, I mean, we've already kind of, in my mind, the reason, well, I don't want to jump the gun here, but I think the Caps are doing what they did with TJ Oshie with, with obviously, uh, with, with Ovechkin is what I, my, my thoughts are. Um, so mm, I, I, I right. think they're just being a little inventive. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess um, I think it's most likely that uh, Schultz would be back, but I don't know that the team uh, necessarily needs him back. Um, he he was fine, uh, but uh, I don't I don't know that he's necessarily part of the solution here. He's certainly replaceable, um, but I think more likely than not, he will be back. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of fun talking uh, about the expansion draft here coming up and yeah. and what the Caps can do. Uh, do you want to know who my, uh, who my like, dark horse uh, Seattle Kraken pick from the Washington Capitals is? Yeah, of course I do. It's uh, Connor Sherry. Really? Yep. Cheap, versatile uh, guy who works hard at, all the time. Uh, I don't know. I, I He seems like the kind of dude that could be a, a first year expansion team player and uh, do well in that. So yeah. uh, I don't know that that's kind of my 
uh, wild ass guess as to who uh, who ends up uh, in Seattle. But anyway, uh, back to your game. No, no, that would be another good reason for the Capitals to have signed him, right? Right. Yeah, that's uh, I like that line of thinking. That's some good game theory there. Um, and I would love to see Sprong get more time in the lineup as well. So, um, let's talk about the big dogs. Let's talk about. Sam Ilya Samsonov, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, do you see him playing another game in a Washington Capitals uniform? And and, and I want to know: Do you feel differently about this now than you felt two weeks ago? Uh, I actually do feel differently than I did two weeks ago. I think that he's coming back, and uh, I think that they he, he showed well for himself in the playoffs. Um, you know that and. Uh, most of all, he's cheap, you know, yep. and to me, uh, Vitek Vanacek has, n- is not the goalie of the future. He, uh, he, that guy since day one to me has had a good second, a good backup goalie upside yep. and sort of, sort of a Michael Neubert yes. type. And, uh, <clears throat> Whereas Samsonov, to me, has uh, Varlamov uh, upside to to have that you know that parallel to previous caps. So I guess the uh, I guess the question is who's who's the Holtby in this scenario? And I, I, I don't I don't think there's a Holtby yet in this scenario. But um, but I think Samsonov comes back. He's cheap. Maybe he's on the straight and narrow now. Maybe he starts maturing as an athlete and as a professional. And uh, maybe that uh, the worst negative influence on him isn't here anymore. So uh, I I do think Samsonov comes back. Uh, Well, no idea who you'd be talking about. So (laughs) let's move on to to him. Um, And before I, I ask you the big question, do you feel like we got any clarity today in in kind of the McClellan or the uh, Lavulette press conferences on exactly what happened with Kuznetsov and Samsonov? Uh, no, uh, I, I didn't really follow it all that closely because I didn't expect a ton of uh, real information to come out on it. Um, so, no, I, 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 it's still kind of a mystery to me exactly what these two jackasses did that uh got them suspended from the team twice during the year yeah i i I can't quite figure it out myself um you know you want to give a guy a chance but it's 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 hard um because i don't feel like we're getting a lot of information but all right let's hear it evgeny kuznetsov john is is it time for the axe to fall He's gone. He's, He's gone. done. He's played his last game as a Washington Capitol. Wow. That's that is what I'm uh, saying right now. Uh, you know, I could be wrong. Uh, I think that a lot of what uh, Brian McClellan was saying in his uh, year-end media availability, you know, you don't want to. You're, you're not going to come out and tank all the leverage you have, which is minimal to begin with, uh, with this guy. Well, I mean, he said that he sees him as part of this team and he's key and you need, but he also said he's open the trades or whatever. So, (laughs) 
you know, that, that's that's probably the best you're going to get out of Mac on something like this. Uh, I think Kuznetsov's gone, and uh, I don't think it's via expansion because I, I think he's too talented uh, a player to uh, to to let walk for absolutely nothing. So you probably go get sixty cents on the dollar for him, and you clear his cap space, and you. Uh, get smarter and better with that money. And I, maybe you hope that Connor McMichael is your second line center. Uh, I don't think that Lars Eller is a second line center uh, for extended periods of time. So it creates a hole uh, unless you're bringing back, you know, Jack Eichel, <laughs> but that's not happening. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do think that they're ready to move on from him. I don't think he fits right now in the culture of this team uh as they want it uh going forward and it's simple as that and uh you know maybe we all should have seen it coming after the after the stanley cup when uh going into the next season right before the season they were asking him about being mvp of the league get coming off the phenomenal performance that he had in the 2018 playoffs. And he said, that's not for me. You have to try too hard. You have to work every day to be MVP. Maybe that should have been the big red flag that said, okay, it's time <laughs> to move this guy. So high on this dude, but, um, <laughs> they didn't. Uh, and, uh, so they were saddled with, uh, a bunch of inconsistency and drama ever since. And, you know, the the reality of the situation when you're talking about Kuznetsov is uh, he's a guy who's uh, now played seven seasons in the NHL. And, um, you know, two of those, three of those maybe were good seasons. Uh, so... It is what it is with him, and he was better uh, in a lot of ways statistically uh, this season than he had been in the past and showed signs of life. But um, there's a lot to be said about a guy who lets his team down the way that he did, Uh, and that's just – the reality of the situation is when this team needed him, he was not there, and – it's hard to come back from that. So uh, I, I think that Evgeny, Evgeny Kuznetsov it has played his last game as a Washington Capitol. Okay. I don't know. I, I really don't know on this one. I, uh... Yeah, of course you don't know. It's easy to say I don't know. Well, no, I just put, I, I'm going to keep going. Line, all right, right, all right. Well, I, I, think, <laughs> I actually think it's probably more likely he'll be back. I, I think okay. that McClellan is – I thought that his comments today – were more in line with a scare the player than a trade the player type comments. You know, the okay. stuff about we'll explore any option, you know, things that'll make the team better, yada, yada, yada. I mean, he just got to, if he's trying to, to trade Kuznetsov, I think he just shuts up and just, like, you know, doesn't say anything about it and starts trying to rehabilitate his image much more hard, try to say uh-huh. something about, you know, maybe emphasize the sort of stuff that how Oshie had said that, you know, he was texting with Kuznetsov while Kuznetsov was out, how happy Oshie was to have Kuznetsov back, yada, yada, yada. I mean, just, there are things that I think the Capitals have a pretty good PR team that they could have been working to try to, to redirect 
ire of people, uh, of both yeah. uh, of fans or maybe other people even in the league, and, and they didn't do that. And, and and to me, that implies um, a different motivation than shipping the guy out for sixty cents on the dollar, uh, unless they think there's literally nothing that can be done to his value, and it it, it just you know whatever just doesn't matter at this point. But uh, no, I don't know. I buy it. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 totally, I, I buy it. I can totally see that. Um, and, and, you know, it does, like I said, it, you, you trade him and there's suddenly a big hole at second line center. And just the tantalizing uh, per, performer that he is, it, it is, um, you know, it's Alex Semen all over again. And it's, you know... <laughs> It, the the similarities there are 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 pretty striking in a lot of ways. Uh, you know the guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he certainly does have that. He also <laughs> has. He, he also has. You know, one of the biggest goals in club history, and uh, yeah, it it would be hard. He he'd be a hard guy to to ship out, but um, you know. Uh, I, I think that if this team, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if, I, you know, we, we talk about uh, this team wanting to get younger and faster and everything. And even Max said they're going to be what they're going to be because they have an old core. But, you know, when you have that core of Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshi, Kuznetsov, Carlson, you're limited in how much younger and faster you can get up and down the roster uh, with those guys here. So, uh, I think that unless at least two of those guys are gone, uh, it's going to be pretty much the same team. Uh, they're going to be running back the same team one year older. Uh, maybe a little bit of Martin Faravari or uh, a Connor McMichael in the lineup, but it's going to be largely the same team unless they get sort of aggressive and the the, the most likely guys uh, that they could uh, move, I think, would be Oshie and Kuznetsov. I, I mean, I think that Ovechkin and Backstrom are pretty much untouchable uh, at this point, and uh, there's no indication whatsoever that they're looking to move on from Carlson. So, uh, you know, yeah, it, it unless they start uh, biting some bullets, it's going to look like the same exact team. Well, I mean, the the, the organiz- Ted, Ted's dream now might might be to get Ovechkin to catch Gretzky. I mean, I, I think there's a real chance yeah. that, that that that's. Uh, I I think it's much more likely that that will occur than the Capitals winning another Stanley Cup in Ovechkin's tenure. So, um, unfortunately, that's just kind of where I feel the team is at right now. So, um, but why not both, right? So, uh, I I guess if I, I you are you already answered this question in your in your last answer. But we need to get it on paper, which is uh, Ovechkin. Will he be back? A hundred percent. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I already answered it too because I talked about how I think the Capitals are kind of doing the Oshi thing again, where they're able to, uh, you know, do some stuff with the expansion draft. To... You think they wait till after the expansion draft just so they can protect one more dude? So uh, I thought that was the plan, but then. With the, what Ovechkin said today, uh, or yesterday, whatever day that was, uh, I'm starting not to think that anymore. Uh, I'm starting to think they'll get it done sooner than that. But uh, I, I thought the Capitals were trying to, to 
you know, play the shady game to, to get that extra protection. But we also know now that the NHL is very, very serious about giving these expansion teams a, a chance to win, right? They want to have these teams be competitive. And with, I, I feel like now that Ovechkin's basically said he's coming back, McClellan said he's coming back. Uh, and then like, if he does eventually come back, a day after the expansion draft, uh, <laughs> I could see the NHL hitting Washington with uh, some fines, right? I mean, they—they, I, yeah. I believe they would—they would, even if they didn't break any rules. I think we've seen this in the. I don't have the precedent right in front of me, but I think we've seen the NHL before punish teams for not breaking the rules, but um, breaking the spirit. I, I think we saw this with some of those older player contracts where they originally had the years at the end and the guys used to be able to retire. And then even, then they put the, the rule in about being, you know, what was it over 35 right. and then even contracts that were signed before that, I believe got that punishment. So um, I, I can see something similar to that. Maybe, but I mean, the caps have always been rule followers though. Like he, he, they never had those like back diving contracts or anything. They like, and, and honestly to, to probably their detriment, they they didn't fuck around with like uh, LTIR yeah. like like Tampa did uh-huh. this year during the regular <laughs> season with uh, Stamkos and Kucherov. Uh, you know they didn't have the back diving contracts. They they've never really sort of exploited loopholes. So uh, I, I don't know. It would be a, a little bit out of character for them. But Godspeed if they finally start playing dirty pool. What was Oshi? Am I misremembering or was Oshi the year of the Vegas expansion draft? Uh, no, he was before that. Was he? Yeah. Okay, because I, I thought I would read that they did that with Oshi, and I, if I've been saying that now know. for this whole podcast, <laughs> but, well, you know what, it is what it is. We all make mistakes, and, right. you know, it wasn't a mistake, John, was having you on, so I really appreciate you taking the time <laughs> today. We're, we're at about an hour of this episode. It's been a lot of fun for me. Um, I hope it was fun for you, too. Of course, of course. I'm always happy to come on and uh, shoot the shit, especially uh, doing these postmortems that uh, we've done for so many years now. But uh, good stuff. Happy to be around. Yeah, it was fun. I actually, the first time you and I met or did a podcast was uh, a, a post hoc analysis of the Adam Oates caps for Talk the Red. So that's a, oh a true throwback to. Uh, how long we've been doing this stuff so uh, thanks again time. john uh, I, I hope uh, well sorry why don't you plug your 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 twitter um the most recent piece that we talked about at length but we want to make sure that they go read the text as well yeah um so that piece is up on the site uh japersrink.com uh and it, it's on windows blinds in the washington capitals uh <laughs> we'll make sure that it's it's there for everybody to to look at and uh read but you know at japers rink on twitter uh all, all the usual shit you guys know and you also did uh our great intro music so why don't you plug that as well Oh, I did. Uh, that's from a record I put out last year called Isolation Station. Uh, it's on all your streaming uh, platforms, your Spotify's, your Apple's music and such. Uh, it's called Isolation Station uh, the, by me, Jay Press, uh, I guess is my pseudonym on that thing. So uh, check it out. It's a good album. I liked it. You might also. But if you don't, don't even bother telling me about it because I don't want to hear it. <laughs> All right. 
on behalf of myself and John Press, thanks for listening to this episode of Japers Rink Radio. I hope you guys go and give us a five-star review on iTunes. If not, I mean, like, I'm more okay with hearing about it than John is, but uh, again, we appreciate you guys sticking with us, and, and we hope to have some great content for you this offseason. Uh, looking forward to what comes next for this team um, in, in, in their second post-window uh, incarnation. Amen.